podcast about leadership, management, and how good the house smells when you make chicken stock on the stovetop all day. I'm mm. Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I, we don't want to leave out turkey stock. Turkey stock also smells real yeah. good if you're making that all day. And I'm Kendall Miller, uh, and I'm going to see all of the people. I'm going to hug them. I'm going to kiss them on the mouth. It's going to be glorious. Are you going to lick flagpoles also? Or maybe they're door railing knobs. at the doorknobs. That's the thing. Yeah. All um, doorknobs all the time. <laughs> Today on the show, we're talking with Brett Nicolni, Director of Engineering at Brandfolder, recently acquired by Smartsheet. Congrats. Welcome, um, Brett. Yeah, welcome. Hello, thanks. thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. So let's dive in. I mean, back all the way up. Tell us about, uh, you know, what happened between birth, which we can presume happened, and uh, Director of Engineering at Brandfolder, because we assume there's some steps in between that, that led to this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> steps in between there. Um, I've done some things. And <laughs> all right, that's the end of the podcast. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So I was thinking a little bit about it, kind of leading into this. And I guess if I think about a lot of my childhood, even I was a big facilitator of groups of people. And so you get like friends and they want to hang out together and someone's not willing to make all the phone calls to like get people uh, in the same place. And so I found myself doing that from when I was a kid and that whole just idea kind of continued to follow through, follow me through a lot of my life is like facilitating things like that. Well, so so does this go all the way? And and I know this is the very first thing you're saying, but um, I'm going to ask anyways. The like as an elementary school kid, and you have to do a like group project. Are you organizing everybody then too, or is it mostly like getting everybody together in social situations? Did it did it did it extend into working things all the way back in school? I would say working things back in school, the elementary school situation, I don't remember that far back. Uh, so can't answer that. But okay, yeah, okay. it definitely applied to like working things in schools. Like how, how do we just like make this thing start? And how do we get people working on it rather than, you know, fumbling around with the details of who's going to do what and just kind of just waiting for somebody else to figure it out. Um, yeah. So yeah, facilitating kind of from what I can recall of most of my life, maybe it applied to uh, pre-K, in fact. Um, <laughs> the play dates, you're arranging all of them. Yeah. When did this you first notice can't be you played were... with by everyone. Sorry, when did you ahead. first notice you were doing this? Or is this something you just like, uh, recently went like, oh, you know what, I've been doing all this. Uh, for me, high school was a really big moment when it stood out because that was when there was like the most amount of like needing to make phone calls and getting people like putting in work to get people the together logistics. to do things. Yeah. And so logistics, I felt like got the most complicated then mm -hmm. or like the start of all of it in life. And so that's when I, I recall doing it like okay. overly. Okay. And, then, and so, so that led to what? Yeah. So you go to college, you're facilitating throughout that. And then, then what happens? Yeah. I mean, I think I've just constantly thought about and found myself in, in positions where I was facilitating things, whether that's on projects or, uh, I went to grad school and, uh, had some students that worked with me facilitating through there. And then even, you know, just jumping into a career and all of that. So, um, I've, yeah, just found myself doing that role. And that to me is kind of the start of realizing that there is some value in getting people together to do something. Mm -hmm. 
So give us some specifics. Yeah, what were, what were some of those jobs right out of college? How'd you end up at Brandfolder? Did, did you start as software engineer? And you what kinds of facilitating are you doing in that? Or where did you get yeah. started? So I went to undergrad for mechanical engineering. Uh, I had some okay. internships and I turns out I did not like mechanical engineering. Like the idea <laughs> was really great. Um, in practice, I was not a fan. Um, and I found a professor that uh, was doing basically like computer engineering uh, and using software to solve mechanical engineering problems. So I went to school or went to grad school with him and kind of transitioned into the software space through that and then got my first software job out of my master's degree. Um, and so that was kind of honestly kind of hard to find. Um, I think we see a lot more with boot camps today. Uh, there's a, a much better path there, but it was hard to convince someone that I knew enough to join their company when I didn't have a concrete degree in computer science or something like that. So wait, you oh, you were studying mechanical mechanical engineering yep. as an undergrad. You decided as an undergrad that you didn't like it, and then yep. you switched you switched programs. So as I graduated. I graduated my undergrad in mechanical engineering. Oh, okay. I graduated my grad in mechanical engineering. I Everyone see. that went through the grad program after me graduated with a computer engineering degree because my professor switched departments. I see. Um, and so for me, finding a software job with mechanical right, right. engineer was kind of hard for me. Yeah, even though okay. now I think you know there are a lot of a lot of people get jobs without having any kind of uh, degree in computer science at all. But yeah, uh, I gotcha. So yeah, what? How did you land that? Well, how did you land that first job? I mean, did you just apply to everything until somebody gave you a chance, or what? No, what I, I went what pretty pretty deep on one. I was actually looking to move to Indiana at the time, um, and there was a company that was taking CAD files and searching them. Uh, called Imaginistics. And it fit really nice with the fact that I had a mechanical engineering background. I did a lot with CAD files in uh -huh. school and I was doing software. Uh, the search engine was written in C++ and uh, I hadn't, like, that's what I had been working in. So kind of had an in with like, I can meld these two worlds and I know kind of both sides. And so it was yeah, a yeah. great experience, got me into a lot, got me into the website of things too, because there's web interface in front of it all. Did okay. you find that and product management was kind of like you knew what problems people using CAD had and what kinds of stuff they'd want to search for based on your background? Was that? I've uh, not been someone that's been that strong in the product management space. Okay. Um, <laughs> I respect people in product management a lot. And I love having a very strong product manager along my side, but mm -hmm. I've not been the huge advocate for the product. I see. Okay, cool. Anyway, Kendall, you were saying something. Well, yeah. So, so keep going from there. So you end up as yeah. a software engineer in this CAD program and I'm waiting for the, and then you started facilitating and that led to lead. Like, how did you get into your first leadership role and or well, what came after that? And so then I was looking to move out to Denver. And so I had applied and kind of similar thing. Like I had found a company I wanted to work for in this case, it was Matt, my fitness or better known as Matt, my run. Um, and reached out to, I had applied on the website and then I didn't really hear anything back. So I had reached out to the VP of engineering and I was like, Hey, we went to the same school. You want to talk sometime and ended up getting, talking to him and getting a job that way, mm -hmm. uh, which was What's awesome. the school you both went to it, with this, like you hear about this all the time with like Harvard, but you're, you you went to some not uh, Harvard school is my assumption. <laughs> correct. Not Harvard. Um, Iowa state. 
Iowa State. Okay. And yeah. that that was enough because I feel like if somebody reached out to me and was like, I went to see you, I'd be like, okay, so what? And, like you just yeah. partied the whole time? Like, okay. Uh, that doesn't I mean anything. I don't to me. disagree, but it happened to have worked. So, yeah, networking uh, yeah, okay. win for yeah. sure. Uh, got that job. Um, and I, I think in the idea of like facilitation, like part of that kind of role that I'd fill is see the gaps. So whether it's organizing people and you're like, well, no one's making phone calls and thus we have no people that have shown up or whatever it is. Uh, I noticed pretty early on, we had some issues around reliability at Map My Run and dur especially during the deploy process. So I spent a little bit of extra time just putting work into that, uh, trying to improve that. And so within a few months, I was given um, a lead role there to try and make that better. Like, oh, the things that we're doing are working. How can we make this a better practice, make this a full-time role, kind of grow this out because it's improving our overall uh, reliability and reducing the need to issue rollbacks on many, many of our deploys. Um, so that was kind of my first role into a software lead, uh, or sorry, first foray into software leadership. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, we had then brought on some uh, nearshore consultants to help from an automation and uh, just hands-on from a QA perspective. And so I effectively ran QA at Met My Run for a while. Uh, and in that was taking the software approach, trying to say, how do we do things in an automated perspective, but also have people with their hands on the product. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of the, the step into it. Um, so was this an a, a, a official promotion into a leadership role or you were just, okay. And, yeah. and I mean, were you looking for that? Did you know that you were interested in that? Did that fall in your lap or what happened there? Very much fell in my lap. I was not looking for that. I was hired as a backend engineer and loved the idea of doing that. Um, but I saw a problem where our backend engineers would deploy and have to revert all the time. And I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> if we don't have effort. solutions to those problems. Yeah. And so finding a solution to that problem was like, great, let's make this better. Let's make our team better. And I don't know that I had any long-term vision for it other than at some point this will become a bigger thing or not a thing anymore that we need to do. And I probably won't be doing either of them. Um, and so I had no like long-term vision for what that role would be. And I think mm -hmm. we see like today in software, there aren't a lot of, depending on the company and organization that you're in, like there aren't QA teams yeah. um, because that's integrated in the development flow. And so, like I said, at that point in time, for me, it was like either this is going to be something bigger, which QA teams definitely still have a lot of value, um, that was going to be taken over by someone else, or uh, we were going to have automation and tooling that were supported by the devs that were releasing the software themselves. Mm -hmm. So you built this, so you, you started out by working in the sort of deployment process situation. Did you, and you, you were successful working on your own to improve that. So then they, uh, they suggested you build a team around that. Is that what you yep. were saying? And okay. really so accelerated you... by nearshore development, but yeah. All right. And so you were the leader of that team. Um, what was the most surprising thing to you at that point when you had people working for you all of a sudden reporting so to you? I'd say it was a little bit different when they were contractors. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The relationship is inherently a little bit different. We hired our first, uh, non-contractor employee to the QA team and they quit 
really quickly. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, so Why? Really my, my first report ever quit on me within months. Oh, I bet that wasn't uh, great for your self-confidence. Wait, but yeah, because what you happened? were terrible to them? Or I, I what, was, what? I, I'd like to think that I wasn't terrible to that person. I just... <laughs> The perspective I have is I was probably not a very good manager at that point in time. And I mean, yeah, it no was my experience. first direct report I, I'd ever really had. That wasn't, that was very much like a direct line report. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in grad school, I had had students and things like that, but it's still a little bit different than uh, I'm responsible for that person from a reporting perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, is it is it obvious to you what you weren't great at back? I mean, do you just like... It, is it a sort of vague, I probably didn't know what I was doing? Or are you like, oh, I said these things or didn't offer this support? Or <laughs> and they stormed the... out and shut the door and that was yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, as I've thought about that, I had this perception of like, oh, leadership tells people what what they have to do and how to do that. And then they do their job and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't think, I think I was micromanaging the person and not in a great way. And like, that's not going to work for, frankly, anybody that ever works for me again, I would hope. <laughs> you that. learned something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You did just say I was micromanaging them, not in a great way. So I, I assume that you've learned some great ways to micromanage people. Since Definitely. From, uh... <laughs> great ways to micromanage. <laughs> Um, okay. Okay. We'll stop picking. So on second report. This. This is the, yeah. The, so the next person you hired to backfill this person stuck around a little bit longer, or what? Yeah, happened? a lot longer, and we're still friends today, oh, which is really amazing. great. <laughs> That's a big improvement. It's it was a huge improvement. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a shock to the system when it was like I don't I don't even know if it was a full three months and that person was gone. And that's just mm -hmm. oh, we have a problem here. It's probably good. Like it rips the band-aid off right away. You know what it feels like to uh have had at least some part in the failure of leadership there. Uh and to time to think about what what it is that you could have done differently. Um, so then you hired someone, you backfilled. Uh, did you at that time go, okay, I'm going to do this differently? Or were you, you know, were you able to kind of negotiate how to do things differently with this person? Yeah. Um, I know it's a I long time ago. I think I was still a little naive and figuring things out. And so with that, we kind of took a step back, focused on some different areas and leaned into the contractors that we had. And then a little bit more time passed where I actually brought in someone to kind of fill the gaps of what the person that had quit was doing. Uh, and at that point, I actually hired someone that had quite a bit more experience. And so it was a lot more natural to not micromanage them because I was like, oh, you know, a lot of things that I don't. This is great. Uh, I don't even know that I <laughs> wanted to do your like, thing. envision my career doing this thing. So you're going to bring so much more to this picture than I am. Okay. All uh, right. And it ended up being the person that took over kind of that department from me um which felt like a really natural evolution yeah. because you didn't know if you wanted to do qa long term is that what you mean and and you wanted to go well, into something else or what or be a manager. i i definitely enjoy being on the product side of the engineering cycle and i also acknowledge that there's a lot of things that happen in qa that weren't i didn't have a strong background in and i don't know that i was ever going to bring a lot of scrutiny to those pieces mm -hmm. and so facilitating that when there was nothing there was a lot easier than as we continued to evolve what we were doing in practice uh, i wasn't the person that i saw taking that to the nth degree where it ultimately ended up getting to that totally makes sense so you shone a light on it it was needed they were like yeah yeah we need to do this so then you started doing it and then you handed it off to someone who 
had a better had more experience making that Absolutely. bigger yeah yeah okay cool yeah, and then and we, what we've, happened <laughs> we filled in a few other roles there like it was more than just qa it was like uh deploy and tooling and all of those different things that's very and kind of sp- yeah and spun those out into kind of different roles uh in the organization and kind of different responsibilities which was super sense. cool to like grow and maturate that a little bit but then i got to jump back into just like kind of back end side of things mm-hmm. uh so jump yeah kendall no, that's 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 what I was going to ask about. So yeah, you jumped in. What's the next role after that? What was the next leadership role? Um, so then I forgot. I might have uh, taken a stint at just a or a stint at a senior backend engineer on at Matt My Run. So same company, uh, just no longer in the QA and and tooling space. Uh, and then. Pretty quickly thereafter, jumped into another lead role uh, for the back end. Uh, and then we got acquired by Under Armour, which was great. And we were building out an app called uh, Record. Like Under Armour Record was an app for a little period of time. So I was leading the back end on that and kind of continued to grow both team and overall responsibilities of our team and the services that we enabled through that time. And then I jumped into manager and senior manager role at within the Under Armour umbrella. Under on the back end team, and and what did what did the the change from manager to senior manager look like? I where it landed was kind of all the server components, so not mobile, um, so web okay. and all and SRE and stuff like that. Uh, the senior manager didn't wasn't actually all that long. Uh, mostly because they were consolidating offices and closed the Denver office. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was in conversations to move at that point in time and ultimately decided that that wasn't what was right for me. Um, But that it was fun uh, in that to take a step from empowering a single lead that I had on my team to having effectively a bunch of managers that were doing those things well and pushing them. Uh, so I felt like I got a little bit of my toe in the water with the manager role mm-hmm. because I was heavily leaning into a lead that I had. Um, and it was just now more of them uh, as we jumped yeah. into the senior manager side. Gotcha. Then you were you were a manager of managers at that point. Yeah. Yeah, generally that that's was still kind of a, a director role more than the senior manager. I'd, I'm not sure that I've seen that be manager of managers before, but you know, titles mean nothing really. So, <laughs> well, yeah. So, so okay. I mean, I've got a, a bunch of questions that are bubbling up from this, but finish the story. So, you go from that to they shut down the the Denver office. You decide not to move. Is that when you switched over to Brandfolder? It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I joined Brandfolder when we were uh, a pretty small group, and uh, joined as an IC with uh, some idea of the growth path for the company and myself there. Uh, transitioned into heading engineering maybe six months to a year in, something like that, and then continued to grow that since, and then we've gotten acquired. So, well, okay, so a bunch about this. So first of yeah. all, you you make the jump from Under Armour to Brandfolder as an individual contributor. Were you wanting to stay in leadership and you just took the chance that this was going to actually, I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, we've got an individual contributor role that leadership potential and it never gets there or they decide you are not the person for it or, you know, like that did work out, but was that your goal and and it just happened to work out or were you okay going back to individual contributor? 
Um, I was definitely okay going back into individual contributor. I I kind of, when I think about my story, a lot of times it's, it's roles and opportunities have presented themselves and I've been open to them at the time. So like that kind of facilitator mentality around it is we're connecting dots, we're solving problems and all of a sudden there's space for something more if I want it, which has been a really nice facet of my career so far in my life. Um, so I was open to being an individual with some early conversations of like, what does the growth path like look like here, just so that I knew what my future could look like. Um, I also had a really strong relationship with uh, the head of product at the time, or and still head of product. Uh, so that relationship helped the idea of what we were going to build together, because I knew that person from Under Armour as well. Okay. I Go ahead. Well, <laughs> so so here's my 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 big question that I want to ask. That's uh, I you know I didn't plan on this coming in, but I've known I've known Brett for a while. For a disclaimer here, so um, Brett, you are a very different personality from me. I am a very loud, bubbly person all the time, and you're you know calm, calculated. Um, and you think even about what you're going to say before you say it, where I'm not sure that I have a thought until it's coming out of my mouth, right? And then I'm like, oh. I'm so glad you're so self-aware, Ken. Um, yeah, right. Uh, and and I, you know, we have a mutual friend, Brett, that uh, I think part of the way that we met was this, you know, this woman telling me that you were her favorite manager she's ever had. And, and I'm just curious, you know, with that a little bit in mind, I mean, I see my bubbliness as part of an asset in the way that I lead. And I'm curious, like, can't, and, and I'm totally putting you on the spot, but what is it like being a quieter, more calculated person <laughs> leading? And how does that affect your leadership style? And, uh, you know, is it obvious to you how that's really different maybe from it Kendall style? It definitely is. And there are either bosses of mine or uh, mentors of mine or people that I've worked alongside of that. I wish I could channel that more because I see the value in it. I find myself, especially during COVID, like we have all engineering meetings and I'm like dancing on the camera and waving my arms, trying to create that persona of excitement for the team, because I understand how much that, that can be a really positive impact on the team. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not who I am inherently. And so I can, put some icing on that and try and foster some of those interactions, but it's not like, I'm not going to be Kendall. Uh, <laughs> and so, and so I think what I, I tend to do is like kind of in that facilitation role, like I'd like, I, I've heard from enough of my people, the, pe the people that I've worked with. Uh, and I'd like to believe I'm, I'm humble. And that's something that really, translates through a lot of it uh and so the rather than like being this bubbly person like there's a humility aspect that i think is one of the core things for me um but i'm also pretty aware of the or i try to be pretty aware of uh people's perceived made like stature in in the team and their role and their contributions and different things like that and continually try and elevate those things so rather than me having that resounding voice, I'm trying to create those voices for all of the people on the team. And so much so that like, I remember there's this really like, just being a leader in the room, you're going to change the dynamic, right? Uh, by nature of your, of your title, of your job responsibilities, like that changes. I remember, like, I still laugh about it. Um, I had a wonderful team and 
by me being in like the stand-up room. And I, I was a firm believer that I shouldn't leave lead stand-up. Like that wasn't my job. Other people should do that because that really empowers the team. I would sit on the floor in the corner and hide just to like remove myself from view because that would elevate those other voices. It would give the person that was leading stand-up like, well, you can't look at Brett because he's actually not within view and stuff like that. And so I, maybe that answers your question. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that the, the answer to that is instead of um, instead of being that center and that bubbliness, that even, even where you see the value in that, you try to foster that in your team, which, you know, so much of leadership is about raising those people up around you. And I would suspect that you are quicker to listen and recognize those things in other people because you're not, um, <clears throat> not to say bad things about myself, but sucking all the air out of the room, uh, you know. And I, I, I think there's probably something significant to just in, inherent in your nature and, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen. Yes. Yeah. Makes you more tr trustworthy out the gate. Is Definitely. Where I've seen that actually get a little bit more challenging, though, is when there's more going on. Like, I am someone that's, laser focus, we are going to do well, we're going to do what we need to do. And when there's more going on, and there's more teams, I definitely want to maintain all of that. But I can I've seen at times, it gets challenging where you're kind of like bouncing between things helping give clarity or context or approval or whatever someone's looking for from you. And you jump into a conversation going a 1000 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, you're missing on or like I'm missing on those cues. Like I'm, I'm forgetting to like, stop listen for a second so that's something that i have to do to keep myself on track especially when there's a lot going on a bit more single threaded in a way yeah 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 and uh hmm. i think that i what the stuff that you were talking about earlier about being the person who kind of brings everyone together who arranges people's communications with one another this that side of you is is part of what also helps you elevate the other people in the room you make it possible for them to talk to each other Perhaps yeah. you, you know, you, you put them together and then they do the thing. I like, I like that vision of leadership. Um, there's, there's definitely the, uh, Kendall's approach, uh, includes more like dem demonstrative leadership. Like here's how to do it. Here's how to be in front of people. Here's how to have those conversations, but then you need to step aside and put the, the people together and have them, you know, it's, it's more of a, like, I'm just enabling you set up yeah i think both sides of that are extremely valuable and like some people are better at one half and some people are better at the other half for sure well and it gets really interesting if we can do that if we can have the team fill the responsibilities and the day-to-day -day as much as possible that also starts opening up space to go and dig into some other things and find one stay ahead of the team hopefully and some of the things we have to do but also be somewhat demonstrative about what the practices that they're doing. Like it's not, I don't think it's necessarily bad if I'm spending a little bit of time writing code, but the code problems that I might solve are going to be a lot more coordination. And mm -hmm. so it's a great opportunity for me to not just put something together, but also show how you get approval from a whole bunch of people. Yes, I have inherent authority on it, but that's not the way that I'm going to get the team bought into how we're going to do something. And so showing what uh, awareness and approvals kind of look like across the team is a good way to just like show them that even in the role that I'm in, like I want, I want buy-in from all of you. And this is how we as engineers can do that. So um, hmm. I want to go back to your time at uh, Under Armour. 
And uh, because that's where you kind of had your first official leadership role where you were, you know, promoted to a title with direct reports. Did you, and I ask this fairly often, did you get training from them at that time to what what it was, you know, to take over leadership role to, you know, how do you do one-on-ones? How do you do people's evaluations? How do you think about your organization? Before you answer, for the sake of the listener, Brett just squirmed in his seat big time. So whatever the answer is that's coming. We usually talk about the video, but yeah, that did that did in fact happen. Um, so, I mean, we were a small-ish company that was trying to do a lot, and we had a lot of traffic and a lot of users, and honestly, not a lot of time in all of those things. So we mm-hmm. put people in the lead roles. We're trying to figure it out. We had a ton of people reporting into one person for a period of time and all of those things are like things we're trying to grow through. Um, initially, no, I was mm-hmm. not given any leadership training. Uh, when Under Armour came along, I was in a lead role, lead title, then got promoted to manager title. Yeah. And they did some things, which was like a, maybe one day training thing on your transition to manager. This oh, is how you have good. conversations with your peers because- That's way better than a lot anymore. of places. Definitely. Um, It was a little bit interesting because I was already in a lead role. And so Mm -hmm. I think had some of that. And honestly, some of the things that I've benefited from is just tenure at a place. So I spent a lot of time at at my run in Under Armour, spent a lot of time now at Brandfolder too, but um, you kind of build that, those relationships and that trust. So those transitions weren't necessarily too challenging. I didn't perceive them to be. You had been there long enough to build that influence so that when it was time to lead via influence, you already had some of it rather than, and you'd, and you'd, you'd learned some of the politics and you understood what made things tick Absolutely. is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody gets that kind of benefit. I mean, it's useful to have those tools when you have to jump into somewhere new and, yeah. you know, not, not, uh, learn your leadership skills by uh, ablative teams, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I always am hoping that, you know, companies do, regardless of whether they're, they have hired someone who's already in a leadership role, give them some training on, you know, what is it like to lead here? What are our principles of leadership? And so few places do that. So I'm glad to hear there were some and do you, yeah. was there anything you picked up during that time that was um, that you still you know you were like oh that's actually a good point let me add that to my arsenal. Um, Put you on the spot. I would say well I, there's something in my mind that I figured I'd share uh, that I thought was really an interesting part of that experience that I learned it, not necessarily through a leadership class through Under Armour but I. I think like many managers uh, got to a team size that was um, eight to 10 at that point in time. Some things were going all right. Uh, Some things weren't. I really do try not to be uh, kind of a pinch point in things. I really like to shepherd the responsibility under the team. But even so, uh, there was some very significant points where I was struggling um, and I, I kind of had a conversation with my wife at that point that was like, I either figure this out or I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, this is not an uncommon story in, mm-hmm. in leadership. I don't, at least I don't think. So I've you had it. too many people or you, you, what was the deal? What was it that you were not able to get done with your amount of bandwidth? Things weren't going well, either with some of my people or some of the work that we were doing or some of all of the above. And okay. so, so it was just um, generally a bad time. 
probably only really perceived by me. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I think we were doing great, actually. Um, but for me, it was a lot. A lot of effort. And it was a lot of effort. And so that was actually around the time that I joined the REN Slack. Um, I started really doing a lot of exploration around, okay, there's got to be help and resources and things like that. I was probably spent three months just kind of doing that side of things. And then was honestly still feeling a little bit underwater. I had a peer that was promoted into similar role, but for the mobile side who ended up quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a good friend of mine and kind of went through that uh, together, but seeing him quit didn't help me spin it as it was something I could overcome. Yeah. You're like, Oh mm. man, if, 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 if this person was driven to quit, maybe I should just think about that too. And so I kind of said, I have a last ditch effort to try and make this work. I'm going to spend some of my own money and hire a coach oh, cool. and it's either going to f- make this change or it's not going to, and I will probably leave in six months. And that was the best decision I could have ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took, it gave me a bunch of, it's from the very beginning, really tactical things of, I need to do X. How do I do that? And literally putting words on a piece of paper for me to repeat, to make sure that like I could get those things done and those things said and all of that to doing a bunch more strategic things with the team. Um, and like, uh, I got a whole other story for that, but we can kind of keep talking or I can say that. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear about it. Go for it. it. Yeah. So you, um, first of all, I'm sad that your company didn't decide to invest in you in this way. And I'm really glad that you invested in yourself. I think that is fantastic. Definitely cool. sounds like the, one of the best decisions that you made. Uh, so what did this coach teach you and what did you do with it? Yeah. I want to hear that story. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just helping show that the things that I was going through were solvable, that there were conversations that I could have and uh, all of that. And um, getting past maybe the easy tactical things or realizing that there was a path out of the easy tactical things um, really started opening up. How can we be strategic about setting things up so that the team overall is as successful as possible? Um, And so I'll just walk through kind of a story that to me exemplifies my experiences at Under Armour in particular. Um, so I had met with my VP of engineering at one point and was kind of like not in a good place. Like I remember we went up to lunch and <laughs> it was just like, this is brutal. I, and that that's in my, in my head, I had not yet engaged, or I'm sorry, I had not at that time yet engaged the coach. Um, in my head, I was like, I got six months if we don't fix this. And I don't know that I, I don't remember if I said that out loud or not um, in that life at that point in time, probably not, but mm. maybe now I'd be more comfortable doing that. Um, and so he was kind of like, well, keep me posted. Uh, oh, thanks a lot, really <laughs> No, I, I like him. He's great. But he was like, I mean, you need to, he was kind of like, you have to change some things and keep like, we're, we'll meet next time I'm in town. Keep me updated. Um And so I ended up engaging a coach. I had some team members that were not very engaged, like one in particular. Um, And we were- It affects the whole team. Mm -hmm. Keep going. And we were just completely underutilizing what is one of the most intelligent people I've worked with. Uh, And so 
through getting through some of the tactical things with the coach, got to some more strategic things, working through even some tactical things with this person, um, ended up like, I think about it as a Hail Mary. And the Hail Mary was giving this person who was a really brilliant person um, control of the team. And so when I said like earlier in the conversation, I had leads that I could lean on, like this was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so a somewhat disengaged person, but the perception that I had and had worked through with my coach, uh, we'd also done strengths finder and some of that stuff. So really like kind of getting into who the team members were, um, this person is someone that would operate well and wanted the team to, to succeed and could like have the technical know-how and the facilitation of like capabilities to help the team be successful. So yeah, like I said, I kind of threw like a Hail Mary was like, here's the team, go run with it. I'll just get out of your way and tell me what you need. And it clicked more than I'd ever seen it click before. And it was a win across the board and scary as could be. And all of that but well, it was fun. I mean, it's interesting you call it a Hail Mary. It was a big chance. And, yeah. and you know, the thing about a Hail Mary is it works sometimes. Uh, now we're making a football reference, not a prayer reference here. I think that that's clear. But uh, anyways. It's um, kind of both, honestly. It's kind of both. Yeah. That's why it's called um, a Hail Mary. That's uh, why. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. So you okay. gave away your Legos, basically. You're like, okay, this is how mm -hmm. we're, you know, in order to get everyone going in the right direction together, this is the person who needs to actually lead this effort. Yep. And by giving away the team, did you make that person a manager and then you were their manager or how did that work? Um, they were a lead in terms of the responsibilities around delivery and they were asked to have conversations that needed to happen with the team if there were concerns there. But ultimately I would make sure that whatever conversation needed to happen would happen. Mm -hmm. And so the person had mentioned to me at one point, You've given me all of the best parts of leadership and you're holding all of the worst parts of leadership. This seems pretty great. <laughs> um, he's like, I don't, have... like, don't want to do the talking. I just want to make the decisions. <laughs> it's like the other way around, right? <laughs> and so I like I had to do the HR things and, and all of that, but that that individual just got to or not just, but like got to do all of the day-to-day -day aspects. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay, <laughs> cool. So then yeah. So at that point, and, you you worked with your coach, you had this great thing happen as a result of your strategic planning. And what happened next after that? Uh, six months later, my VP of engineering came back out and was like, I don't know what happened, but keep doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> you seem great. They seem great. Like, cool. what's going on? And I was like, I got a coach <laughs> and um, it's yeah. going really well. And I was like, by the way, do you want to pay for said coach? And he's like, I'm interested based on how this has gone. I'm interested in helping with that. Um, and some there were some changes and it wasn't like all that long before his departure. So oh, wow. that didn't end up working out. But uh, notably, uh, I have interacted with that person a few times since, and it has not been insignificant the mentions of, oh, I have a role over here and we give coaches to our... They <laughs> 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 learn something. <laughs> So, yeah, 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 that's good. We At least they finally got there. We did just talk to someone that the, I think the episode that we just shipped last week, that person had their company paid for coaches. So like, uh, I mm -hmm. think it's a really good practice, especially when you're bringing people into leadership roles in high pressure situations and there's not a lot of time for them to, you know, do some mm -hmm. book learning or to take the time to have the experience. So uh, I think yeah, it's very wise of you to have done that. Yeah, some of what I've heard for coaches is like a, a lot of companies at director level will do that type of thing, or it's a, you know, multi-week engagement with a coach. I ended up, I mean, I still have a relationship with the coach and I 
haven't been leveraging it as really as much recently, but um, it was a lot different at the manager, like managing IC level and just needing to up-level on my very specific tactical conversations and all of that that I needed to have. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay. So, well, so we gotta, we have to ask you the question we ask everybody, which is, and I think you've talked a little bit about it already, but, you know, talk about your relationship with authority and um, how you feel about leading others versus others having authority over you. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I don't, I guess I, I thought a little bit about, about this coming in, um, because I knew you'd ask, but I don't enjoy authority that is intentionally authoritative. Like if you enjoy being authoritative, like that's not something that I mesh with. Um, mm -hmm. I really like empowering others. And I understand that with my role comes inherent authority and there will be times when it needs to be used, but the least I can use that the best. Um, and that's kind of where I get my joy. Mm -hmm. Le leading from a place of humility is how you view that. What a, so, okay, you're answering that on how others uh, interact with you as well. But do you do you feel like this has changed over your lifetime, or do you feel like you've always reacted this way or felt this way about authority? Is there is there something that stands out that made you feel this way? One really bad leader that was really authoritarian. No, I think I've just seen more bottlenecks when people enjoy that role, and. Hmm a lack of ability or interest in giving up some of those aspects of that role can seem to just create more bottlenecks and we have to work either work around that or coach around that or uh, things like that. If you're someone who just wants great things to happen and acknowledge that that might or might not happen through you, like that's great because we can find great people to complement so many teams. And I think if the team and, and in particular, the leader can be adaptive to the strengths within the team, you can fill a whole lot of gaps and frankly, learn a lot yourself, either technically or from a people side or whatever. If we're, we're provided so many opportunities as leaders that uh, I think there's just a ton to learn. If you, if you let the team do what they do best and you fill the gaps. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Good. Um, I mean, there's a lot more that I want to dig into there, but I also want to talk a little bit about bread outside of work. Uh, you know, tell us about hobbies, um, you know, which, which hobbies have you maybe gone over the handlebars, uh, doing, uh, oh, I'm, I see. I'm leading, Is this what y'all know here. about each other? Uh, <laughs> Are you bikers? No, I mean, <laughs> tell um, us about your hobbies and if, as though I didn't just lead you to an answer there. Yeah. Uh, so I keep bees. Um, Ooh, that's not what I expected that. you to say. <laughs> there you go. That's what I was referencing, obviously. Oh, Rachel, obviously, yeah. Really cool. Like at your um, home, you have a big garden and you have bees in it? or No, uh, we have bees at the, like a, a community garden and a uh -huh. school, actually. Cool. Um, so we've got four hives between the two of them and have maybe on year five now. So it's been a cool journey. Yeah, it's wow. important, right? The the whole bees getting dying off. How serious was that? I get, I heard a lot about that a few years ago. Is that thing, is that improving? Is that something? I mean, it's definitely still a thing. I think there's a lot more, or my perception is there's a lot more awareness around it and understanding the impacts of traveling bees. And some of that are the new complexities that we're realizing, like uh, all the bees going to one place to pollinate together is a great way to spread disease. And I think oh, that's where yeah, some of the challenges. Yeah. Okay. Super but as we have more beekeepers, tending to their bees and in particular taking care of mites like we're hopefully promoting healthier environments for the bees but 
there's a lot of work there and I'm definitely not the expert on that. Um, <laughs> All right. Other than that, I like to ride bikes is what uh, Kendall's alluding to. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Convince other people to throw a, their flip-flop hub and throw a fixie on the back has been something of joy in the last few years. And some people it sticks with and some people it doesn't, but yeah. Yeah. It seems to do a lot for Kendall's mental health to go on a bike ride. So um, if you're the one who got oh, him man. hooked on that, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, definitely didn't start it, but uh, I keep asking him, are you still vertical? Are you still vertical? Yeah, you, you did. Vertical? You did yeah. crash a while, like uh, a few days back. It sounded like I remember you saying, Kendall, uh i mean i have crashes that's the thing that happens <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh usually on my mountain bike i don't crash that often on my road bike unless i'm doing something stupid in the snow which has happened what um, yeah but, uh, um and yeah. i also wanted to make sure we ask you brett uh because you have a lot of things people probably want to ask you about um where can people find you on the internet yeah uh so linkedin uh under my name i don't know if there's handles I'll on that, that. I'll uh, put that in the <laughs> In the show Twitter notes. for Bina Colney. And then I think one of the spots that I've been interacting with people is the Rand Slack as well, mm -hmm. which has been yeah. a great place to connect. Yeah, that's how I met Kendall. It's on the Rand Leadership Slack. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. Well, um, thanks so much for being with us, Brett. That was great. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me.